What is going on, my friends? Hello, hello, welcome back. You are listening to episode 42 of Internal Budget. I am Brandon Mackey. I am a staff writer for Silver7Sends.com. And hey, you can see me. If you're watching on YouTube, that is, because the podcast is now on video on YouTube. I have no idea why I finally decided to do this. Uh, It seems like a huge pain in my ass, and uh, some of the video content people I know are some of the most miserable people I know. But here we are. We're going to give it a shot. I got my iPhone. I got a tripod. And... I think we're ready to roll here. Who knows? I'm going to look at this video when I'm done recording and it's going to be all out of focus or crooked or something along those lines anyway. But hey, we'll try to fix it in post. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, by the way. I know you folks have been doing a great job of liking the podcast, sharing with your friends, downloading, and hitting that five-star rating. So hit that like button on YouTube as well as the subscribe button. Uh, I'm thinking we'll post individual clips of every podcast on YouTube as well, uh, giving you fine people a little bit of extra content in what are going to be some dark days of winter before hockey starts, which is kind of weird to say even still. And yes, as you can see, it is Sunday today, whenever you're watching this, I'm wearing my Tampa Bay Buccaneers shirt. I've switched this up from my red Tampa Bay Buccaneers hoodie. Because that one is clearly not good luck anymore. Every time they won this year, I had worn that hoodie except for that god-awful Saints game. Brian Fraser, I hate you. Everyday Sends, I hate you. New Orleans Saints, I hate you. So hopefully my Bucks can bounce back today. And, as we talked about last week, we've got a new segment. James Wood. That god-awful pun-spouting villain is going to join the show to talk about his favorite Ottawa Senators memory. I'm really excited for this. Like I said, if you can think of a name for this segment, let me know. Uh, I'm just really thrilled about the chance to kind of take a trip down memory lane with all of you and give you a chance to share some stories on a platform that may not have been given to you before or maybe would have been given to you before. Maybe you have your own platform. I don't know. But let's dive right into things here. The Ottawa Senators made a signing this week. I know it has been a long while since we've been able to say that. They signed Michael Haley to a one-year deal, uh, $700,000 in the NHL and $200,000 in the AHL. And people are upset about this. Why? It's innocuous. I mean, I get it. Like, they're hesitant of... Or, or I should say, afraid of the Senators bringing in players that are going to block out the rookies. Totally understandable. But if you look at the structure of this deal, and this has been said before, this is clearly a minor league signing. To pay a guy $200,000 a year to play in the American Hockey League, he's going to be making some big bucks to play not in the NHL. That, to me, sounds like a guy whose job it is going to be... It may be to slot in on the fourth line in Ottawa every now and then. I'm not saying Michael Haley's going to play no games in Ottawa. But it seems like a Belleville depth move more than anything. And look, the AHL is a jungle. It's a jungle. 
It is full of players who are trying to separate themselves from the rest. And if they can't do it with talent and with production, they're going to do it physically. They're going to do it with big hits. They're going to do it with fights. A lot of times those big hits are going to result in players getting hurt. We've seen it happen before. Having a Michael Haley down in Belleville is going to discourage predatory hits or shenanigans at the expense of Ottawa's important young players. Like you look at all the guys that could be spending time in Belleville this year. It's names like Josh Norris. It's names like Eric Branstrom. It's names like Logan Brown. It's names like Alex Formanton. Do you want those guys basically on a team where opposing players, like I said, looking to make a name for themselves, have free reign and are able to take shots at these young players without consequences? I don't. If you remember a few years ago, Christian Milanen got taken out by a knee-on-knee hit playing in Belleville, and he narrowly avoided what could have been a major injury. And whether you like it or not, look, I, there are tons of people that don't like the fighting in hockey and the presence of the tough guy. And it's working its way out, I really believe. Um, you know, you're seeing the game transition to smaller, more skilled players. I don't think there's going to be fighting in hockey for relatively too much longer. That said, the AHL still operates that way. You don't have to like it. I don't particularly like it. But that's but that's the way it is. And as the old saying goes, you can either adapt or die. And I would rather pay this money to Michael Haley and risk having him play on the fourth line in Ottawa every now and then than lose a Brown, a Norris, a Batherson, a Formanton to injury. Or lose any of the young prospects that Ottawa could be calling up to Belleville as soon as the season starts over from Europe. Lassie Thompson's the guy that could be playing in Belleville. You know, he's had a bit of a rough go with Ilvis in Finland this year. Do we want his confidence getting derailed any further by losing a ton of time to a major injury? I can tell you with relative confidence that I do not. So with that in mind, I don't mind the move. And I know a lot of people do, and I get it. But I really don't think DJ Smith is going to elect to play Michael Haley over Rudolph Balsers unless for some reason Haley is contributing more to the team than Balsers. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe Rudy will have an off year. He didn't have an off year this year, not in Belleville. But nobody rides for free. On this Ottawa Senators team. I think that's been proven. And you can throw Nikita Zaitsev at me and whatever. Who else are you going to throw at right defense right now? The point I'm making is, in my mind, DJ Smith did a pretty good job of getting his young players into the lineup last year. He did pretty well. Nick Paul earned himself a full-time gig. When would that have ever happened under a Guy Boucher coach staff. And a lot of people gripe about him bringing in, DJ Smith that is, bringing in players that he's familiar with from junior or wherever 
And there's some merit to that. But all coaches do this. They're comfortable with players they're familiar with. It's why DJ Smith had an affinity for Connor Brown. It's probably why DJ Smith is comfortable putting Nikita Zaitsev in the minutes that he puts him in. Though we'll see if that remains the same going into the next season. Tyler Ennis, Ron Hainsey, same can be said. So, like, it's a job for coaches. They don't want to lose their job, so they're going to go with who gives them the best chance to win. Or even if not to win, to achieve the goal that they're going to achieve. Like, the Ottawa Senators' goal this year is probably not to win. It's to win games, but ultimately it's to develop. And if all the young players are showing signs of development, and I think they have, Drake Batherson was not good at the beginning of the year, went down to Belleville, and then came back looking like a man and confident. That looks like development to me. So we'll see. But I don't think Michael Haley is going to roadblock anybody at the NHL level. I think, if anything... He's going to be an insurance mechanism. He's going to be a presence that discourages shenanigans, which is a fantastic word to say. So I'm just going to say it as many times as I can. And sorry, if I look funny on the video podcast, it's because the left contact is acting up. But of course, the first video episode I do, this happens. Bad luck, Brandon. Now let's dive into something that I know... Nobody is tired of talking about. On Twitter, on Reddit, there is not a single soul who is tired of Jersey discourse. Shout out Matt Bosty. Everyone's a little tired of talking about jerseys. The conversation is not going away anytime soon because of the NHL's new initiative where they're rolling out these reverse retro jerseys. They've been teased for a little while now, and now we are starting to get the first glimpse of what they're actually going to look like. And it's a cool concept. It's not something that I think the NHL has ever done before. You've seen the NBA go to different kind of jersey formats, and the MLB has certainly embraced throwback jerseys. The NFL here and there. But this is territory that the NF, the NHL rather needs to capitalize on. And I think they're doing a good job of that so far. I really want all of the reverse retro jerseys that have been teased. Like, I haven't seen really any of them yet, but they all look super cool. You know, we're talking Minnesota North Stars. We're talking Mighty Ducks of Anaheim with the Flying Duck being teased. Uh, Hartford Whalers. There's going to be so many cool designs. I think Colorado is also uh, embracing the Quebec Nordiques scheme, which, I mean, I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of that, but we'll see how it looks. In any case, Adidas released a little graphic design video. Um, That's probably the poorest way of putting it that I could, but hey, we're rolling with it. Uh, And they teased um, kind of the templates for what the individual jerseys are going to look like. And I speculated that one of them with the number 92 on it, which is the year the Ottawa Senators came into the league, 92, was going to be the Sens. That was going to be their reverse retro jersey. And a little later, the Ottawa Senators confirmed it. Now, am I saying I'm an insider? No. But am I saying I am not an insider? Also no. 
regardless of all that, it looks like it's going to be a red 2D jersey. And there's been an appetite for this. If you go back to when the rebrand was first being teased, even a couple years ago, people were fond of the 2D and there are people that are fond of red. Now, black one out with the new home set, obviously. But I think there's still a good appetite of people that are interested to see what a 2D red jersey would look like, myself included. The Senators have never, ever had a red 2D jersey. Uh, the closest thing they've had was the Senegoth, which is more of a 3D jersey. And I can't believe I'm getting this in-depth about jerseys again on the podcast. But here we are. I think what this communicates is, and man, I hate to rant about like takes, but there have been a decent amount of people talking about how this is just laziness from the Ottawa Senators. They couldn't come up with an original design, so they had to flip their home set inside out. That's what reverse means. It's reversing the color schemes of the logo template. And if you're the Ottawa Senators... You haven't even been in the league for 30 years. So what's retro? They just went back to retro with the blacks. I'm, I'm not sure what's expected of them here. There are people that wanted a, a Parliament Hill logo jersey. Cool, fine. But that logo hasn't been used since the Senators were <laughs> campaigning for the expansion team. The Senegotha, yeah, maybe I get it, but... Everyone complains about how ugly that logo is, and now they want to see it. You know, maybe people are doing it ironically, but I'm not sure if there's pleasing anyone here. In any case, I really like the idea of a red 2D. I think it's going to look sleek. It's something new. For the people that complained that the Senators' new jerseys are just going back to the old ones, here you go. It's a new jersey. And there's going to be a new alternate jersey coming the season after next. There's plenty of new jerseys around the corner. If you're itching to spend your money on the Ottawa Senators, and you're one of the freaks who don't love the new jerseys, here's something for you. It's a red 2D. I'm excited about a red 2D. I'm going to keep saying red 2D until it just sounds like white noise. What a world where I have to spend time talking about this. And that's what passes for news these days, folks. In the offseason. The dog days of the NHL offseason. That's why I had to bring in all these new segments. And bring in people that I don't necessarily want on the podcast. Like James Wood. You think I want him on this show? The man sickens me. He makes me physically ill. I have anxiety every time I open Twitter now. And it's not from doom scrolling related to the President of the United States or COVID-19. It's because I'm afraid there's going to be some god-awful James Wood pun. Some dad joke as soon as I open my phone. Or every time I get a notification. I have that same fear. I feel my stomach bottom out. It's terrifying. I want my quality of life back. My quality of my Twitter life back. Let's talk about some prospects. And before we get into this, 
I want to give a huge, massive, monstrous shout out to my boy Sends Prospects. He is a friend of the show, of course, one of the guests who has appeared twice and will definitely appear again in the future because I can't. I could listen to that man's sultry voice all day, and I know you could too. But more than that, he is the authority on everything related to the Ottawa Senators' crop of young players. So any chance I have to pass that, get that guy on, I'm not going to pass it up. But he has made it really easy to keep track of all the Senators' young guns that are playing overseas right now. And there are quite a few. We're not going to delve into all of them each week for that reason. But there are ones that made news this week, as there will be probably every week going into next season. And there's plenty of things to talk about from that lens. So let's dive right in. Roby Yarventi. That's all anyone was talking about on Sen's Twitter the last couple days. Uh, he's playing with Ilvis with Lassie Thompson, another Sen's prospect. And even though I'm a Finlander, I know I am butchering the pronunciation of that team name. So I apologize to my ancestors who are spinning in their graves right now. And what a season he's having. Really. This is a guy who was picked 33rd overall by the Ottawa Senators this year. It was a pick that was relatively off the board. I believe that Colin Cudmore described it as not the guy he had pegged in that spot, but the exact type of player that the Ottawa Senators should be taking chances on. And remember when we talked about the Matt Murray trade? Because that's relevant here. I'll explain why after I've had a sip of my coffee. It's relevant because the speculation was that in order to get Murray, the Senators were going to need to part with a first-round pick or a high second. They didn't. If they had, it would have been this pick. It would have been the pick that they used on Roby Arventi. Maybe they could have gotten him later with another second-rounder or whatever. But this is good asset management. They got a starting goalie for a ridiculously cheap price in my mind. And then they maintained their high draft pick and used it on a skilled player that, yeah, maybe they're taking a chance on. But we know the Senators' crew of scouting staff is small. So as Sense Prospect explained it on the show... Guys are going to have more of a say than they would on other teams. It's more of an opportunity to go to bat for players that they really want. And I believe Miko Rutu was the guy who really campaigned for Roby Arventi. Who really went and banged the table for him. And so far, so good. He just scored his sixth goal of the season. He's got 12 points in 14 games. I haven't been able to watch much of him. It's hard to find streams for European hockey. But I really, really like what I've seen so far. He's got some skill. His release is gross. The shot he took that netted him that sixth goal of the season. Wow. He's got some really nice offensive talent. And at the end of the day, that's what the Ottawa Senators desperately need. They needed to come out of this draft with high-end offensive skill. They did it with Tim Stutzler who we'll also talk about a little later. 
And so far, they've done it with Yarventi. For all the people who criticized the Sanderson and Ridley Gregg picks because they weren't high-octane offensive players, you're getting that. He's not, Yarventi's not playing in a soft league. He's playing in the premier men's league in Finland. And he's 18 years old. And he's almost at a point a game pace. Six goals and six assists in 14 games. You cannot ask for much better of a player than that. Like this is not a random kid having a great season in some league in Sweden that you've never heard of. This is some legit cause for excitement. It's early. You know, I, I'm not saying Yarventi's the second coming of, you know, Marian Hossa or whatever. But this foundational skill in this tough of a league that, by the way, Lassie Thompson, who was a first-round pick last year, has struggled in. That's a good sign. Like, it just shows you how tough it is. Thompson's older than Yarventi. And Yarventi is having more success. So, we'll see if that translates. Who knows? I think it will. Um, I think a foundation this good at 18 years old is more than enough to transition to the NHL skill-wise. And beyond that, if the Senators picked him, we know what their emphasis is. On character is they've made it very public and with the opportunity to interview some players that they really like maybe even multiple times over zoom obviously 2020 I think they have a good sense of how coachable the kid is and judging by his abilities that's looking like a good pick now a guy the senators didn't pick but traded for a couple years ago now Eric Brandstrom, who's playing in Switzerland with the SCL Tigers. He is tied for the team lead in points with seven. And the good thing for him is he's not necessarily playing on or playing in a league that is the same caliber as Liga. But he's playing on a team that and in a situation where he just gets a ton of minutes. Eric Brandstrom slotted into this roster, which by all indications isn't the best. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to comment too much on that because that's that's not my department. That's not my area of expertise, if I have an area of expertise at all, other than sounding like a moron on a podcast. And I'm sure looking like a moron now as well. See, we're expanding. Get back to it, Brandon. Eric Brandstrom is going to play a ton. On this team, and he is, uh, and that's what he needs. It's not a situation that he would find himself in in Ottawa. Is it a situation he would find himself in in Belleville for sure? Uh, but the next best thing right now, be, since Belleville is not playing hockey at the moment, and who knows what the AHL season is going to look like if it can get off the ground in 2021? He needs a place to play, and he needs a place to play where he can take on other teams' top players. <clears throat> Excuse me where he can get top power play time and where he can get a chance and have the confidence really to showcase his skills. Because that was one thing we didn't always see of Brandstrom when he was playing in Ottawa last season. He was not using his offensive ability as much. And that'll come. 
It doesn't usually happen right away for young players, especially young defensemen. And he's only 21 now. So for everybody who's worried about him, chill out. There's plenty of time with this kid. And I know I'm a broken record on this front, but Eric Brandstrom's going to be just fine. He's still going to put on some size. and I, Granted, I haven't seen much of him uh, since the season ended. But he'll get there. He gets a little bigger, stronger, more confident. He's going to be an impact player for the Ottawa Senators. There's not a doubt in my mind about that. And, you know, if people a few years from now want to dunk on me because somehow Brandstrom didn't turn out, fine. I don't care. I'm that confident in the kid. I don't think that'll happen. But that's just me. And Tim Stutzler is back skating with Adler Mannheim. Not much news on this front. Uh, I believe they have some games coming up relatively soon, and we'll certainly keep an eye on that. But it looks like mid or early to mid-December is going to be when he's recovered from the hand surgery. Um, and we'll see how he looks. We'll see if he goes to the World Juniors. Uh, I've been vocal in my desire to not see Tim Stutzla play for Germany at the World Juniors this year. Would I love to see him play hockey in a good tournament on a good team? Yeah, absolutely I would. But not at the expense of his future development. Because if he gets hurt again, that's trouble. He needs to be playing meaningful minutes in Ottawa this season. I'm not saying throw him to the Wolves right away. Ease him into it. Top six, top nine minutes. But that's where he needs to be. He needs to transition to the NHL game. And by next year, meaning 2022 or the year after, he should be a dominant force in the NHL. Like, that's how talented I think he is. And a kid this NHL ready, I, I would want to get him in that lineup as soon as possible. Get him growing with that core. Because if your projection and your goal is to push for the playoffs in 2022, you need your franchise player in that lineup. And ready to go. Not taking half a year, however many games, to acclimatize to NHL hockey. This is the year to get acclimatized. Do it now. Get him in there. <clears throat> get him playing with Brady Kachuk. Get him playing with Drake Batherson. Get him playing with Evgeny Dadnov. And come 2022, you'll have a player that's ready to help push you into a playoff spot. Wrapping it up really quick before we get to the next segment of the show. Uh, Maxence Gwinnett. Seven points in eight games played with Valdor so far, the 19-year-old defenseman, having a very nice start to the QMJHL season. And the same can be said for Philip Dowd, who was the Ottawa Senators' sixth-round pick this year. 13 games played with the Moncton Wildcats, and he's on a point-a-game pace, 13 points. Uh, another player that is, I guess, I don't want to say an afterthought because that sounds like I'm taking something away from him. I'm not. Uh but who knows, maybe another six-round pick that can surprise fans of the Ottawa Senators. We've seen it before, relatively recently. So there it is, your prospect roundup for this week's episode of Internal Budget. And now we are going to transition to our next segment of the show. And as much as it pains me, James Wood, the master of all things pun, is going to join me on the podcast to talk about his favorite Ottawa Senators memory. Please enjoy, because I know I won't. 
All right, joining me in a move that I will surely regret. It is the master of all things pun. It is James Wood. How are you, sir? Really well. How are you, Brandon? I'm surviving, man. Can't complain because who's going to listen, um, especially to this podcast? Sorry for the jingling. You can hear Tofu the Corgi over there doing something, probably causing some kind of mayhem. But anyway, so James, I brought you on. You are the first uh, to join me in this segment. Um, so basically, I'm just going to give the floor to you. I want to hear about your favorite Ottawa Senators memory and why it means so much to you. Just one. Narrowing it down, eh? Well... It's, uh, you know, I've been thinking the last little while since you have given me the privilege of popping on here of stands up. And, you know, I, I thought about my first memory, um, you know, dad coming home with some tickets back in, I had to narrow it down. I had to ask mom what Europe could have been, um, but probably 1994, 1993 or 94, coming back with tickets with the intention of taking her to a game. Um, and I threw a tantrum because I wanted to go. I hadn't been to a hockey game before, and I was just getting old enough to know that a night out, being up late and watching some hockey would have been a pretty cool thing. Um, so ultimately, she let me go, and it was it was Dad and I. Um, and it would have been at the Civic Center, and it was against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I remember a bunch of blood. I don't know who it was, but a big pool of ice, a big pool of blood, corner of the, corner of the rink. Um, I don't have you been to the civic center for any reason have you been to a 67s game or anything like that I, I haven't no okay so on one side of the one side of the stadium is it's only about 20 rows high and then the other side is a full side stadium uh, and so you know i remember being on that side fairly close and being pretty grossed out but this was this was pretty cool and that was the beginning of my sense fandom because both of my parents are from montreal unfortunately so I grew up with Montreal Canadiens uh, pennants in the in my room. Um, I don't remember watching any Montreal Canadiens games. I'm sure I was up when when they were on. But you no, know, so that's the earliest memory I remember being at a game at the Palladium. All of the four months that it was called that in February of 1996. I remember watching the the one nothing win we had over Buffalo to make the playoffs for the first time. You know, I, re I remember being heartbroken by the Leafs beating us year after year after year. I remember being completely elated when Alfie scored our, our um, Eastern Conference final clincher, of course. But the best memory out of all of them, it, it probably has to be, uh, and again, it's so close with the 2017 run. It was, that was pretty incredible. And you know, I made it out to the airport to greet the boys back 2.30 in the morning. And that was not going to forget that. But probably out of all of them, it was being at the game that Kyle Torres scored in overtime against the Rangers in 2012. I've, I've never experienced collective joy like that. You know, we were down 2 nothing. We come back, tie it. The building was silent when it was 2 nothing. And then to win in overtime, man, walking out of that building, heading back to, heading back to, you know, the parking lot, it was like we won the cup. If you had, if you had told me we won the cup, I would have believed you just with the way that, that everybody was celebrating, honking, buses driving by, people hanging halfway out, you know, waving. It was, that was incredible. 
Um, so really fortunate to be able to go to that game for sure. But I'm sure you ask anybody, I mean, it has been, we've been relatively lucky as a fan base. Um, I mean, we started really badly, but I think those early years, we didn't have anything else. So having an NHL team that sucked was better than not having one. And then, you know, years and years of making the playoffs and, and giving us that hope. And then, and then the, the heartbreak that, that follows after it's been, it's been up and down, but ultimately it's, it's hard to turn off that, turn off that love forever. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I guess those are it. Tourists for sure. I was at the game when we, we, when the Senators crushed um, Mark Andre Fleury, and so wow, we're going to make it to the Stanley Cup final, and then Matt Murray comes in and just steals the show. So welcome, Matt. <laughs> Glad to have you on board. <laughs> <laughs> I was at Game Five that year of the Rangers series when Tourist scored the overtime winner. Now, oh, you were there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're a father now. Uh, how have your own experiences with the Senators as a, as a youth, before I let you go here, how has that molded your relationship with the team um, and the way you introduce your, your own kids to the team? That's a really good question. Um, well, she's, she's only 16 months today, actually. And so um, she has a couple of Sens, little, little Sens jerseys, but she's still too small for them. Um, when the time comes, I mean, I'm, I'm of course going to sit her down and want her to watch some games with me. And if she has any interests, we'll, we'll go as a family to a game. And I mean, even if she doesn't have interest, we're going to take her to a game, I'm sure. And, you know, I'm not going to force her into anything, of course, but you know, if I was, um, if I'm lucky enough to have, to have a daughter who wants to be involved in hockey and, you know, enjoy the team that I love so much, that would be pretty great. My sister is a hockey player. She loves hockey just as much as me. Um, you know, both, both my parents, um, different levels of love for the game, for sure. Uh, mom, not so much on TV, but you know, she trucked us out to those early morning, early morning practices and games. So clearly there's a love there. Um, some big moments with that, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if I can start looking back at my life and, 15, 20 years and, and have some big hockey moments with my little girl. That's, that would be pretty, pretty good for sure. Good. Thank you for asking that. That's kind of a, that's kind of a nice question. Hey man, uh, this is exactly what I wanted out of this segment. I wanted, uh, I wanted to give people a chance to share their own memories with the team that have made it so special for them and make this relationship with the Ottawa Senators so special for them. So, sir, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And thank you for sharing. Well, well, thank you for the opportunity. It's been great listening to your pod. So having a chance to be on one, pretty cool. Thanks, I appreciate Brandon. It, brother. Thank you. Thank you to James Wood for joining the show. Always a pleasure talking to him. And thank you to Tofu the Corgi for his always annoying cameos. Make sure you give James a follow on the Twitter. It's at underscore underscore James Wood underscore underscore that's double underscore on both sides of his name for some reason 
And folks, that's going to do it. This has been episode 42 of Internal Budget. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Please like the podcast, share it with your friends, download, subscribe, and rate five stars. Make sure you hit the little bell on the YouTube. That'll make sure you get a notification every time we post a new video. Please stay home, stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll catch you next week for episode 43. We've got a very cool guest coming on. I'm so excited to share it with you. Just not yet. So take care, y'all. Until then.